Beautiful job, ladies. Thank you. And that is so crucial. We want to make sure that we don't take God for granted. We think that all this is guaranteed. It's not. There's nothing guaranteed except Him. And that's when we come to Him. But we're this morning, we're, you know where we are? We're in First Peter. Chapter 3 is to work our way through the book of Peter. And um, we're going to look at 18 through the end of the chapter this morning. And this morning, entitled the message, Hope Beyond Tormentors. Hope Beyond Tormentors. So I encourage you when you find that, First Peter chapter 3. Stand in our God's honor. As I read beginning at verse 18. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body. But made alive by the spirit. Through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. While the ark was being built. In it only a few people. Eight in all were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism. That now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. But the pledge of a good conscience. Toward God. It saves you. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven. And is at God's right hand. With angels. Authorities. And powers and submission. To him. Let's pray. Master, here we are again, Lord. We need you and we need to hear you. Even our efforts at worshiping you, Father, have to be infused with the Holy Spirit or they fall flat. We just need you in every possible way. And that's true with this message as well. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, so there's something said. And Lord, may we leave here lifting up Jesus because that's the way it always should be, Lord. Grab a hold of our hearts that we might leak Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen. Tormentors. I thought about my own experience. Uh, my dad worked three jobs and my mom was sick and uh, so it got to a point about, I think about fifth grade, I walked home from school. It wasn't too far, a couple of miles. The problem was, there was this guy named Robbie. And I still don't know, to this day, why Robbie didn't like me. The problem was, he was a lot bigger than me. He was a lot taller. He had at least 50 pounds on me, I think more than that. And he always wanted to bully me. Call me names. Yell at me. I remember one football game. He shows up out of the blue of nowhere. We're playing football. He picks me up and dives in a bunch of briars. It was not safe around Robbie. Matter of fact, I came up with a plan. I became a pacifist. I didn't want to fight him. Wasn't going to work for me. He made my life somewhat of a terror for, I think, like two years. And then something changed. Robbie moved. And life became better. For us, there are tormentors too in the faith. The the scripture talks about these tormentors. Uh, Of course, the big obvious one is sin. The Bible says we're sinners. 
We're all in the same predicament. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We don't deserve to enter into the presence of a most holy God. And then there's the battle, the battle with the sinful nature. We come to Christ for forgiveness and He forgives us. But there's still this tug to disobey God because something just, oh, that would just feel so good. <laughs> and so there's that longing to step outside of God's plan. There's that torment. And, and there's the torment of, of just this world system. Hey, look at us. You're just a nut. I mean, you, you don't sleep in late on Sunday mornings and you go to those buildings and what's, what's up with you? What's wrong with you? Why don't you do this? It's fun. Why, why, don't, why don't you be a part of this? You're just a party pooper. You just don't want to have any fun. There's that type of torment. And then, of course, there's the ultimate torment of death. Being afraid of what happens. What happens after that? And the message this morning, it comes back to Jesus. When we face torment, there is one to cry out to. One to call out to. And his name is Christ. And it's interesting. You actually go to the verse before here. In verse 17, in the context of the message of this chapter, he it says, it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. The idea here is if you're a criminal, if you break a law, you deserve the punishment. But if you're treated unfairly and unjustly and you suffer, then that's a God thing. That God is there. And then the ultimate example is used of God being there within torment that's not deserved. Torment that is... Persevered through, but not deserved. And I want to look at four words here as we go through here. I, uh, there are several of the toughest verses in here. And we're going to close with the proclamation. Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, one of the greatest minds of the early church. And he said, I have no idea what this passage is saying. So don't expect a lot from your pastor. But I'm going to make an effort at this as we get to the point of the proclamation. And quite honestly, verses 18 and 22 aren't quite so difficult. But what a blessing. To begin with, there is his crucifixion to help us through the torment. Notice what he says. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. To bring you to God. You see, God's plan to pay for our sin was to fulfill the demand. It says without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness. And we don't know what it was like in the biblical times when it came time for the sacrifice and the blood of countless lambs was everywhere around the holy city. Because there were people crying out who were fully aware of their sins. And I've never been one. You know, I'm not entertained. All these movies, man, they're just. We'll just see how much blood we can get in these movies, you know. And, and the gore and, and all of that. And that's not too entertaining to me. Why? Because to me it's kind of a nightmare. Because when I see that, I, I know there's suffering. And I know that there's death. But that's what Christ did. Instead of all the blood of these countless animals, He became the one perfect sacrifice 
for all of us. That's his work. And and I love it here as you look at this section of scripture. Notice what he says. He died for sins. All our sins. No matter what they are. He has died for them. He died for sins once for all. A one time sacrifice does not have to be repeated. It is complete. It is finished. It is secure. In Christ it's ours. The righteous for the unrighteous. He's the righteous one. Guys, we're the unrighteous. Matter of fact, we could each put our own names in there. We could say Jesus for Todd or your name could be inserted because we're the ones who needed a savior. We're the ones who need to be forgiven in order to enter into a holy God's presence. To He says to bring you to God to be with him, to share with him, to be made right with him. And then secondly, there's resurrection. That's revealed to us. Notice he goes on the text. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. You see, he he died on the cross. He was placed in a tomb. He was buried there. But that's certainly not the end of the story. He rose from the grave. They found the tomb empty. (laughs) And they found Jesus who, who was among them. And he worshiped with him. He is the risen Christ. And I, I thought of uh, the Apostle Paul and he said, here's my heartbeat, Philippians 3, 10, 11. He said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. That life-raising power and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings and so somehow to attain from the resurrection from the dead. That, that was His heartbeat. And what did Jesus Himself say in uh, the book of John? He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. As he looked out to Mary and Martha, he said, do you believe this? And and the same question comes to us, do you believe this? And then one more as I think about resurrection. uh, In 1 Peter, if you just go back a couple of chapters, chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. There is a, a new birth. Jesus said, if a, unless a man's born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. But if you've been born from above, if you've been made a new person through his forgiveness, he says you enter into a living hope. And that living hope is through the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection power that raised Jesus is the hope that he wants to spiritually raise every person who humbly comes to him and says, forgive me. Rest in me. Find forgiveness. Find hope. And you start in me. He provides that. Uh, Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I love this little section of Scripture because it reminds us of His wonderful victory. The victory that He provides. 
the resurrected Lord. Starting at verse 14 and through verse 16, Paul writes, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. We are marching with a victor, and thus we're victorious. Good news. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. So, literally, the, the heartbeat is everywhere that we go. I am with a king. King Jesus, who is the victor. He's the one that provides the victory. And I'm part of His army. I'm marching with Him. I know His hope. <laughs> For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. Who's equal to such a task? We know we're not. He says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. And so he says, the heartbeat is that we speak of the, the Christ who lived the perfect life, born of a virgin, who died upon a cross, was buried and placed in a tomb, and was resurrected from the dead. And that brings us to the last one. And was exalted, ascended to heaven. And that is verse 22. It closes our chapter. It says, Who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. He is now at the right hand of the Father. He went to the heavens and He has all authority. And He's there and He prays for us. He intercedes for us. And He is the final, ultimate judge. He's the final authority. He's the one who will call the ultimate shots for all of eternity. And so what matters more than anything is that we become friends with Him. Thus allowing us to become friends with the Father and enter into heaven. Acts 10, 41 through 43 Reads, he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. He is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. Through his name. Hey all the scriptures. They prophesy. They talk about a coming Messiah. And they waited and they waited. And now the wait is over. He has arrived. Now there's a new wait. We wait for his second coming. And for his return. That is imminent. He's on the way. But in the meantime. These tormentors have been overcome. As we live victory. It says in 1 John 5 verse 4. That we are all overcomers. How are we overcomers? By our faith. This is the victory that overcomes. Our faith. Our, our trust. Our belief in Him. Well, here we go. I've come to the proclamation stuff. I've already told you. I'm, I'm going to try. As we look at this section of Scripture. As we look at our Lord. Tough section of Scripture. 
to deal with. Uh, he says in verse 19, Through whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Go back to Genesis chapter 6. And there's a section of scripture that different scholars have debated about and tried to figure out. And I read four or five different commentators that sought to give their view. Uh, a view that spoke to my heart. It, well, let's just turn back to Genesis 6, 1 through 4. It says, when men begin to increase in number on the earth and daughters are born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever for he's mortal. His days will be a hundred and twenty years. The issue's been, uh, what does it mean by sons of God and what does it mean by daughters of men? Verse 4, it says, The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them, they were heroes of old, men of renown. Picture here is of an offspring that was born, that was powerful, that was big, that had no room for God. Um, there were those commentators that the sons of God spoke of. Uh, I guess this is where I fall on this, of fallen angels who had turned away from God and found their way here and, and in human form and in presence ended up being with women and having children. And it's interesting as you look through the scripture, a couple of verses I want to read. Second uh, Peter 2, 4, it says... For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in the chains of darkness to be held for judgment. So a picture of those disobedient, those angels, those apart in the time of Noah who did not listen to God, but disobeyed God and ended up in a prison, ended up bound. Jude 1.6 also speaks of this. There's only one chapter in Jude. It says, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. So here's, you know, what I think happened. He went and he preached to the spirits in prison. He's upon the cross. And he says it is finished. And the time passes. And hope is departed. It's a bleak time in history. But then the Spirit of God raises Jesus. It's the resurrection. And what does he do? The Bible says that he goes down into the depths of those 
who are rebellious against God. Those who are in prison. And, and from the text here, you know, there, there's an indication that it's these angels that were rebellious. And then Christ goes to these ones who are rebellious, to, who hate God, who wanted to hurt people who God loves. And He goes down there and it's, it's a victory march. It is a time for Him to say, I have won. Sin has been defeated. Death is no more. Your reign never was true. And now you see through the most humble act of all, the Son of God willingly going to a cross and dying upon that cross that God had a plan. And that plan has now been fulfilled. And that was what it was all about. He went down into the depths of the earth. He went down to the place where there was the devil and there were the angels who were imprisoned. He went to that place and he said, I am the victorious one. I am the living one. I am the one who is the conqueror. Those tormentors had to hear the truth. The devil hears the truth. Now we come to the second issue here in verse 21. The water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. But the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It looks at first reading that baptism is what saves you according to the the text at the first look, first glance. I think it's important we keep in mind here that as Peter writes to the people, he's thinking back to the flood. He's thinking back to that time in Genesis where God, Noah preached through, preached God's word for 120 years. Eight ended up on the ark. Nobody wanted to hear. The floods were coming and the call was, you can get in the ark. And you can be safe in the ark. When the deadly waters come, you'll be safe in the ark. You won't drown. But there's safety. Just get into the ark. That was the picture. And so for the early church, they knew the account of Noah. They knew about the deadly waters. They knew of the safety of the ark. And they also knew that there was a place they could go that was safe. There was another type of ark that you entered into. And it's into the body of Christ. That when you come into the church. When you bow your heart to Jesus Christ. And you receive His forgiveness. And you say you are my Savior. And you are my Lord. You enter into the ark. And guys it's not like that there were pegs on the outside of the ark. And there were some people holding on saying. I'm good enough to hold on to this ark. And as the floods come. I'll hold out against the waters. And I'll... No they'd fall off that ark. Because you can only hold on so long. They weren't holding on for salvation. They were in the ark. Safe. But it was only eight people. That heard. And that responded. And the message I believe here. Is he's saying. Get into the ark of Jesus Christ. And find salvation. As Lisa and Samantha saying. Be ready. I wish we'd all been ready. Make sure. That you're ready. Listen to the picture of this in Romans 6 1 through 4 uh, I want to read this from the living Bible so beautifully paraphrases it he says well then 
Shall we keep on sinning so that God can keep on showing us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. Should we keep on sinning when we don't have to? For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become a part of Jesus Christ. Through his death, the power of your sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature was buried with him by baptism when he died. And when God the Father with glorious power brought him back to life again, you were given his wonderful new life to enjoy. As we look at the text, he says the water symbolizes baptism. It is the picture of those outside the ark who would die in the waters. And going under the water is a symbol of death. To the fact that I was outside of God's mercy and His grace. And I deserved death. And going under the water is death. But praise be to God, you don't stay under the water. You come out of the water. Raised to newness of life. A wonderful life that He has provided. And so, baptism is the beautiful picture. It doesn't save you. It's the beautiful picture. You've been saved. That you got in the ark. That He provided what only He could. And you got it. Not just milk you get. Right? A couple of uh, truths here and then I'm done. When unjust suffering seems unbearable, remember the crucifixion. When you think, can't make it, it's too hard, I'm hurting too much. Just think about Jesus at the cross, how he suffered. Once again, I'm going to pull out a verse out of the classic, the Amplified Bible. As I said, where maybe a lot of us are classics. Couldn't believe they had Amplified Bible classic version. but Hebrews 12.3 in the classic. Just think of him. Who endured from sinners such grievous opposition against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials. So that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and fainting and relaxing in your minds. Boy, there's there's power there when we're hurting. Remember Jesus. Remember him on the cross. And that he loves us enough to get us through where we're going. As he made it through. And second one and I'm done. When the fear of death steals your peace. Remember the resurrection. When the fear of death steals your peace. Remember the resurrection. We're all going to die. Unless our Lord returns first. Which is glorious. That's fine with me Lord. Just call me up. Oh, you know, I'm ready. That's good. But if that's not the case, I'll meet him the, uh, the usual way through death. But praise be to God, death's not the end. The resurrection is. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Is everybody in the ark? As the ladies sang, are we ready? There's only so much time, Lord. We think we've got all the time. But we don't know that. I pray this morning that you have, I trust you've spoken to our hearts. And we simply ask that you would 
lead us to obey you as your spirit speaks to us. You know where we are and you know where you want us to be. If it's to come to Jesus for the first time to receive salvation. What a great time to do that. Say, Lord Jesus, enter my heart. Forgive my sins. Take charge of me. What a great time for that. To enter the ark. Or, Father, just to obey you because we're outside of your plan. We need to remember you are the God who went through death at the crucifixion. But that's not the end. There was a resurrection and the exaltation, Lord. And I just pray we'd obey you however you speak. Because, God, that's what matters in your church. Is that we, as your people, say yes to your call when you call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The old rugged cross. Till my trophies 